Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is 10-10-14, Friday the 10th of October, 2014. And today we're reading from the big book, and today we are starting the doctor's opinion which is on page XXV. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Melanie, 12 Traditions, Santa, and then Janice M, Anita L, and Sharon H. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 9th day of October, is 6944. 6944. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Melanie to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Monica. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Texas today. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. And I will now ask Santa H. to read the 12 traditions, please. 
Good morning. Santa H. from New Jersey, a grateful compulsive overeater. And these are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement of OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, or other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Santa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
And today we are resuming our study of the big book. And today we're starting with the doctor's opinion. Woohoo! How exciting here! <laughs> and I, I and I, um, uh, a little reminder. I was my sponsor asked me to write this in my book, and at the top of this chapter, I have written, "This is a textbook, which is a transfer of information. It is not a novel." And with that, I'm going to ask Janice to start reading for us, please. Well, thank you so much, Monica. Thank you for your service. I'm so excited. Let the doctor's opinion begin. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. The doctor's opinion. We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. Convincing testimony must surely come from the medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. A well-known doctor, chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction, gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter. To whom it may concern, I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years. In late, 90, in late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. In the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. This has become the basis of a rapid-growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. I personally know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. These facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of the rapid growth inherent in this group. They may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. These men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D. Yes, the excitement of starting these steps. This is going to be all about, this is where step one begins. And I'm just going to comment on the first paragraph because this is, there's so much in here and there's so many people that are probably jumping off their chairs. But anyway, the doctor's opinion. The doctor's opinion. We say, why is it an opinion? Well, you see, in 1930s, um, you know, Dr. Silkworth, who is a specialist in this field, you know, um, it, he didn't have the medical proof. You know, he had convincing testimony because of his experience working with 40,000 um, suffering alcoholics. And he was, the, today it's the truth. 
today it's the truth because science has proven, you know, metabolism and all that sort of thing. So they're saying here, we, who are we? Well, those are the ones, this is written in past tense. We who have already recovered, you know, um, in, in AA. See, if it wasn't for Dr. Silkworth, we wouldn't even have AA because he's a, he was so divinely influenced. He had to be because this wasn't even in, in process. We who have recovered believe that the reader, which was you and I, will be interested in this plan of recovery. What's the plan of recovery? Well, that's the remedy. That's the treatment. That's the 12 steps described in this book in the first 164 pages. People say, where are the steps? Well, we're beginning the steps. We're talking about the problem. Very important. We cannot get better if I don't know what my problem is. And this is the beginning. And, you know, in, in a lot of the rooms, because I've been around for decades, they didn't even read this. I don't know how. No wonder I never got recovered, because <laughs> I didn't know my problem. But here he's telling us the problem, because why? He had experience. He knew. He knew firsthand, you know, uh, the sufferings of these uh, members. And he witnessed. He knew the problem, and he witnessed their recovery. Returning to health. Well, if I know that my problem, that I am powerless, that's the problem, over, over what? The allergy in my body, and I'm powerless over the obsession in my mind, and I, and I implement this plan of recovery, I will be restored for one day. What, 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 a, what a miracle, you know, um, for this doctor, Dr. Silkworth, and he is. He is a medical saint. He validated. He didn't have the scientific proof, but he had proof because he had evidence. He saw. He could, he could see. He experienced. And a uh, wonderful, wonderful thing for us. And um, I'm going to pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. And who would like to share on what was Santa? read? This is Larry. Santa, Larry... Liz? Anybody else? Pardon? Liz. Liz? Okay. Yes. Santa, Larry, and Liz. Santa, you're up. Good morning. Thank you, Monica, for your service. My name is Santa H., S-O-N-T-A, Santa H. from New Jersey, a grateful compulsive overeater, newly recovered, recovered one day at a time. Thank you, God. I am so, so excited to be back in the doctor's opinion that I can hardly contain myself. Why? Because this is where it all began for me, learning that I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. Fourteen, just very short, 14 months ago, I came into a vision for you and into the room of OA for the first time ever. My life has changed drastically. I am so excited, so, so excited for the month of October. I celebrate my first anniversary of maintaining 100-pound weight loss, my highest weight of 255 in 2010. And today, I am 122.53 at the age of, of 49. I am the size I was 31 years ago. What a gift for my higher power. I went from size 22 to a size 6. 
and I didn't ask for this weight loss. I was happy at 150 pounds last October. That's what I asked my higher power for. I am getting used to my new body. And I think back over the lies that I kept telling myself over the last 31 years. I kept saying, I'm getting older. That was the first first lie I told myself. And the second one I told myself was that, oh, I, I have a slower metabolism than normal people. But guess what? That hasn't changed. I'm a lot older, and I still have a slower metabolism than normal people. But this is a God thing. So I, I ask you, ask yourself, what are the lies that you are telling yourself, the untruth? The truth, the answers I found for me are in the 12 steps of recovery. I am so grateful for Dr. Silkworth. I am so grateful for these 12 steps and for a vision for you, my fellow travelers, and mainly my higher power. I could not have done it without all of you. And to all the newcomers and doubters who are listening right now on this line, these steps work. They work for me. They can work for you. I dare you to allow your higher power to help you too. And again, my name is Santa H., and with that, I pass. Thank you, Santa. Larry, you're up. Monica, thanks for your service. Uh, Larry, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So, you know, from a historical perspective, history is important to me. Um, so who was, who was Dr. Silkworth, Dr. William Duncan Silkworth, and, and, and why, why does this opinion matter? <laughs> and what does this have to do with, with you or me in, in 2014? Um, he was referred to as the little doctor who loved drunks. And as we learned, um, he was the medical director of, of uh, Towns Hospital, Charles B. Towns Hospital in New York, Central Park West in the 1930s. Um, the hospital was a, was a well-known rehab facility for the wealthy. You know, keep in mind this, this facility, um, this, they were serving people, um, this was right after the market crash of 1929. So there, there was a great divide between the haves and the have-nots, you know. Only the wealthiest alcoholics could afford the, the exorbitant fees at that time. You know, in today's dollars, it'd be about 6000 bucks for, for a four- to five-day stay. Um, Towns Hospital was, you know, where wealthy drunks and cocaine addicts primarily went to dry out. And so you had many like Bill Wilson receiving the Belladonna treatment, we learned, and this was essentially kind of a, a poisonous mixture of flour extracts and so forth that, that helped rid the body of the effects of other of their substances. And it was it was like the, the ultimate purge sold as a cure at the time and, and obviously it didn't work for many, many people. So when Dr. Silkworth first met Bill Wilson, you know, he was regularly in and out of Towns Hospital. And this guy was drinking more than two quarts of whiskey per day. You know, he, he was approaching the last stretch of the disease, you know, seizures, delirium, tremens, ultimately a wet brain. And each time Bill Wilson made some progress in temporarily abstaining, like I did, it was always followed by a relapse. So we know that during one of these relapses, Bill met up with Ebby, Ebby Thatcher one evening, presented him with some, some Oxford group, you know, spiritual principles. And, and a few days later, Bill staggers back into Towns Hospital. Dr. Silkworth sedates him with some drugs to enable him to sleep. And after a couple of days of, of convalescing, um, Bill, Bill has a rather sudden spiritual awakening. So at some point, Bill reached out to Dr. Silkworth to try to explain what, what happened. 
And, and, and Dr. Soapworth, you know, says, look, hang on to this, whatever it was. So keep in mind, Bill never took another drink again for the remainder of his life, another 36 years the guy lived. So as we know, Dr. Silkworth was, was just as amazed as Bill. I mean, he was not seeing those type of results at Downs Hospital. And when Bill suggested to Dr. Silkworth that he approach other alcoholics at this hospital with this kind of spiritual method of transformation, Dr. Silkworth was skeptical. You know, he, he would have to put his, stick his neck out, but he was willing to place his reputation on the line, and that's what he's writing about here. And honestly, I, I'm alive today. 2014 because of that see I tried my version of the Belladonna treatment and every other non-spiritual method and they all had something in common they didn't work so the doctor's opinion is very important to me because if I don't understand the doctor's opinion I won't understand the rest of the text and with that I'll pass thanks thank you Larry and Liz you're up Hi, my name is Liz. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater, Liz S. from Pennsylvania. And this is my first time sharing on this line, so I'm excited and uh, hope I'll say something that will help someone else. The line I wanted to share about was, I personally know scores of cases who were the type with whom other methods had failed completely. And I am definitely one of those uh, for whom other methods had failed completely. So just for... Maybe some of those of you who are new, I wanted to share some of the methods that failed for me. Um, Low-carb diets, restrictive calorie diets with weigh-ins, um, eating low-calorie all day and then binging at night, uh, avoiding all the foods that were triggers for me, not avoiding all the foods that were triggers for me, Doing enough exercise, because then if I had endorphins, then of course I wouldn't crave the food. Um, using a rubber band to snap on my wrist. Trying to burn my tongue so my taste buds would be destroyed. Um, going to therapists. Talking to friends. Taking a bath. And all of these methods were ultimately part of what failed completely for me to get me stopped and staying stopped from compulsive overeating. So a method that works for me and that keeps me abstinent is reliance on God and working these 12 steps. And I've benefited so much from the shares on this line, so thank you everyone for being here and supporting my recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Liz. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read this morning? Charles, I eat too much, can I share? Charles. Go ahead, Charles. Thank you, Monica, for your service. And uh, thank you. Good morning, all visionaries. My name is Charles. I eat too much, you know. I recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, thanks for all the comments that was already mentioned. Um, a couple of points I'd like to make. Um, in the middle of the first paragraph where it says, uh, we who have experienced the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I'm going to drill down, and also the last line, you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. I can remember before, you know, even in abstinence, you, you can rely on nothing I said, because I'm a stone-cold liar. 
And once 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 I took the twelve steps of OA, um, you know, just like a spiritual spiritual a spiritual sun bath just you know consumed me and, and, and you know, you can rely on, on on anything I say after after that. You know, especially with 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 dealing with other people and, and, and and situations like nothing that comes up just doesn't it doesn't shake me. It doesn't shake me because of this program. And 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 and, and to whom it may concern when he starts talking about the prescription and what needs to be done, which is the twelve steps, give it to somebody else. Give it to somebody else. That is the purpose. It's not for me to just get it, uh uh play with it, hide it, don't share it because you know, I, and I can remember a time not wanting to to do that, but the joy, the joy in seeing other people recover, the joy in hearing the visionaries every single day, you know, <laughs> oh, my God, what a transformation. What an entire psychic change. You know, the return to health is just unbelievable. It really is. Um, you know, being, you know, being asked to speak, you know, as a, as a, as a, person that had diabetes, being asked to go back to the hospital and speak for National Diabetes Day year after year after year. My A1C was 15.4. It was death. I was knocking on death's door. I was that hopeless case they was talking about. Mind and body, hopeless. And this doctor's opinion. Yeah, I know all the answers is in, a, is in 164 pages, but to rev my engine up, Everything before Bill's story revs my engine up, especially the doctor's opinion, especially the doctor's opinion and the forward to the second edition when it says Dr. Bob mustered this willingness that he's never been able to muster. Oh, I get charged. My battery is charged up when I hear stuff like that. So return to health, me, a hopeless, low-bottom sugar addict. Sugar lights up the same part of my brain that other hardcore drugs. Sugar is a drug. Sugar is my crack. And I need to realize that every single day. But you know what? I got a higher power and a book that's bigger than life probably itself. And with that, I'm up there. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Kim. Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Renata. Renata. Okay. And Vasa. Kim and, then... and Vasa. Vasa. Thank you. And... Okay. Kim, Renata, and Vasa. Kim, you're up. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I put my head on the pillow last night so excited that we're going to read this doctor's opinion because I have to tell you, after 17 years in L.A., of trying to control and enjoy my eating. This is the chapter that set me free. So I'm going to read a couple of lines here. It says, an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. And then a couple on paragraphs down, who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. So what is that type? Why is this book so important to a real compulsive overeater? Because he's saying there's a certain type there. So there was a type he didn't regard as hopeless. There was a type where his methods did work. So when Dr. Silkworth was seeing, I think Janice had said 40,000 alcoholics, he saw there were different types. 
there were certain alcoholics that would come in and they'd have a, a, a bout with alcohol. He would dry them out. They would leave the hospital and he would never see them again. Then there was another type that would come in a couple different times and he would dry them out and he would explain to them, you know what, it looks like alcohol doesn't agree with you. My suggestion is don't drink alcohol. And they would leave and they would never come back. But what about the type he came to regard as hopeless, the type which other methods fail completely? What was happening with them? He started to notice a certain percentage of them. No matter how many times he came in, they came in, and no matter how many times he separated them from alcohol, they would leave the hospital and they would come back over and over again. So what was that type? What was his theory? What was his opinion? His opinion was there was a two-fold illness going on here. Number one, once they ingested those certain uh, that alcohol, their body processed the alcohol differently than other people. They were a distinct entity. Once they ingested it, they experienced a phenomenon of craving and their body biologically demanded more and more. And that is a bad problem. But as a doctor, he was able to separate them from that alcohol. He was able to confine them in a hospital where they could not get access to alcohol and therefore the allergy was not being triggered. And he determined, and his theory was, that even when that happened, there was something going on in their mind that would convince them that this time was going to be different. This time I'm going to be able to control it. This time I will be able to eat, drink like a gentleman. And it's that dangerous combination that he considered hopeless. It was that dangerous combination that other methods had failed completely. So if I can identify in with that, if I truly know what I suffer from, if I understand that I can never safely eat those foods in any shape or form at all, then I have to get abstinent. I have to eliminate those foods. I have to eliminate those foods behavior 100% because I am biologically mandated if I ingest those foods or engage in those behaviors, I will have the reaction. But even more dastardly, if I do not treat the mind, if I do not get the idea that I am powerless, not three donuts in, I'm powerless before I make that decision. Because once I, once I end that food, I'm in a biological reaction. My powerlessness is before then. And if I do not treat the obsession of the mind, that mental twist, that mental blank spot, I am destined to go back to the food. And until I get that, these steps are going to be a theory. These steps are going to be a psychological exercise. When I get the fact that I suffer, that I am a type that he has come to regard as hopeless, that I am a type that other methods fail completely, I am not going to submit to this program to the depth that I need to. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Renata, you're up. Thank you, Monica. Good morning, everybody. This is Renata, Recovered Composable Reader in New York. Um, I want to focus on the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. You know, it doesn't say plan of abstinence. You know, if, um, you know, Dr. Silkworth had the problem, right, the allergy of the body. And so if we became abstinent, like separated from alcohol, like Kim was explaining, that wouldn't be enough. He would have had the, the cure for alcoholism, but, you know, um, because we have, because I have this obsession of the mind, 
I need a plan of recovery, which are the 12 steps described in this book. Just putting the food down is not enough. And for two years in OA, I've always thought that abstinence was the goal. As long as the food was down, you know, everything was okay. Like, and I wouldn't, you know, it, it didn't matter that my life was still unmanageable. I, you know, I can't cure my spiritual malady with a physical solution. And abstinence is physical. And so, you know, I really like that it says a plan of recovery. And so it's abstinence and then work the steps because otherwise that obsession of the mind will never leave and I'll always go back to the food. I'll never be able to stay stopped. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. Vasa, you're up. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Monica, for your service, and thank you for everybody being there. And I'm Vasa, and, uh, and I am recovered compulsive overeater from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And I was that hopeless and powerless person coming to the program. And I'm so grateful we're beginning with the doctor's opinion against step one, just to remind myself where I was and where I am in, li- in my life by working uh, taking the directions from the big book and uh, and uh, where I am in my life. Abstinence, it's one. It's number one, putting the food down and then working. The step is the recovery. But again, coming in the program, I knew I was powerless over the food. I did not understand the allergy uh, with the compuls- or the obsession of the mind so to me, you know, when, I, when they told me the sugar was drug and, uh, and it was like the alcoholic, you know, they drink and that's sugar. Alcohol is made from sugar. And I was suffering from the same allergy as the alcoholic. And then, I, you know, again, working with my sponsor, was number one was like putting, putting the sugar down and then going through the withdrawals. I remember experiencing the crawlies in my skin because I was addicted to sugar. I mean, I liked to eat my other food. I used to cook and everything, but I didn't want to eat the food. I wanted to eat my sugary things. So that was a number one. That was my drug of choice, which I didn't even know. I, I mean, I understand. I, I didn't understand about food addiction. I understood, well, alcohol, you know, it's, it's a drug. So if they put it down, then why do they have a problem, you know, or the drugs, you know? But I did not understand the withdrawals and the mental obsession and the craving. But anyways, I could identify, I could identify with the alcoholic. I was drowning myself with the food like they were drowning themselves with the alcohol or drugs it's same thing you know and I was pretty successful in my in life you know with other things but I could not put the food down and I'm just and I needed to find a power greater than myself and that was the key to get me through to put the sugar down and to put the food down one meal at a time one day at a time it was a miracle when I could I did it with God's help and the support of the of my fellowship the in the programs, I could do it. Even one day was too much for me. You know, one meal was 
hard from one meal to the next. And again, it was hard, but with God's help and the support, I could do it. And I'm so grateful we are starting on the doctor's opinion. And, and it is doing service. I cannot keep what I have unless if I give it away. So that's what it's about. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And this is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And how exciting here. And, and right off the bat here, we of Alcoholics Anonymous, we, you know, the first 100 recovered believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate, the medical opinion of the plan of recovery described in this book. Here again, we're just in the first few pages of this book, and they have a plan of recovery for us if we're interested. And it was also pointed out that Dr. Silkworth here, that we're told we're given some very important credentials here about him. He's a well-known doctor. He's the chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction. And I was told, Monica, listen up. This guy knows what he's talking about here. And so he tells us, you know, um, I have seen over 100 hopeless alcoholics recover. And you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Wow. And with that, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Anita L., would you read for us, please? Sure. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Anita L. I'm from Philadelphia and a grateful recover compulsive overeater for today. The physician who, at our request, gave us this letter has been kind enough to enlarge upon his views in another statement which follows. In this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcohol torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality, reality, or were outright mental defectives. These things were true to some extent, in fact, to a considerable extent with some of us. But we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. Wow. That's a lot. So, um, from my perspective, what what I've gotten from this is Dr. Silkworth had to enlarge upon his views. So, what that means to me is that he recognized the fact that all these alcohol, all these people kept coming back again and again and again. They they got sobered up. They were dry. uh, They were told the information on how they must not drink again, they can't handle it, whatever. And yet they keep coming back and back. So Dr. Silkworth had to recognize the fact that, you know, what we're doing is not working. There has to be something more. And so that's where he had to enlarge upon his views. And so then Dr. Silkworth confirms, which is 
you know, pretty a strong word. What we who have suffered, and believe me, I can fully state that throughout all my years of compulsive overeating from a very, very young girl, I suffered that alcohol, that compulsive overeating torture. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go into all the things I've done, but trust me, I definitely have this disease. So I must, so here's my set of directions because the word must signals to me that I have to believe what this uh, rest of the sentence says, that the body of the alcoholic, my body, the physical part of me is quite as abnormal as my mind. So back then they were just treating the mind. They knew nothing about uh, the physical aspect of the disease, that we have an allergy, a physical allergy, that once I ingest one bite, that's all it takes. One bite. That's why they say one bite is too much. One bite of a food that triggers me, that I cannot stop with just one. Once that's in my system, the phenomenon of craving is activated and I must have more and more and more. I cannot stop with just one. My husband can, you know, he eats just a little nibble of something and he can leave it there. Or uh, we just celebrated a holiday, a family holiday, and he brought home a little sliver of a dessert and I remember in the past, that dessert would sit there for a couple weeks. And finally, I would just throw it out because he didn't even remember he had it. That could never happen to me. I would have to eat it. If he didn't eat it, I would sneak it and then feel all that guilt and shame and everything. And so that shows that I was maladjusted to life. I was in full flight from reality because normal eaters don't drink, I mean, don't eat this way. They just don't. And some of us, including myself, I have mental, uh, some mental illness with uh, some depression issues and anxiety, which, thank God, have been removed because I am recovered today. I love life. I don't want to hide and, and just exist in my home. I want to be part of life. So even though these things were true to some extent and to a considerable extent with some of us, me, who has this disease, we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. So here Dr. Silkworth states again, talking about the body of the alcoholic. And in this chapter, he states important ideas again and again in different ways. So we will recognize the fact that th these are things that we must own. We must believe is true because he dealt with, I, I heard over 50,000, I don't know what's true, but, but 50,000 alcoholics. And when he finally realized that there had to be something more than just the uh, mental part, he recognized that 
there was a physical aspect as well. And thank you, God. Thank you, God, that Dr. Silkworth was here for the alcoholic because he was the one who began this change with Bill so that today we have a program that can help me to be relieved of the obsession of the mind of taking that first bite. I can be neutral with food, which is a total miracle, total miracle. And it's the last thing it says, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor, the allergy, that I have an allergy, is incomplete. So thanks. And with that, I pass. How much there? Thank you, Anita. Oh, wow. I'm not lost. Okay. I heard. Oh, my goodness. Nancy. Let's start over again here. I heard an Anita. No, 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 not Anita. Nancy. Nancy. Okay. Carolyn. Carolyn. Rabia. Do. Okay. Let's start with that. Nancy, Carolyn, Rabia, and Do. Nancy, you're up. Thank you so much, and good morning, uh, Visions, for you. My name is Nancy. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and um, I, I rarely share, but I want to just thank God for leading and my sponsor for leading me to this um, uh, meeting. Um, today I, I can truly say that I, for the first time, and I've been in OA for decades, I really understand and feel that I am recovered. Uh, I just wanted to comment on um the readings. Um, I um, when I was, I, I always knew that there was something that I was different from other members of my family. Uh, I think I was born with this disease, and I could, you know, I knew that they could eat small amounts of sugar, and I was, you know, once I started, I couldn't stop. And I actually saw a chart. I got a chance to see a chart in a book that shows the metabolism of um, that that I have and that of a normal eater. And when I saw it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it was there in black and white. My body is different. I mean, the, the physical, logical differences in what happens to my metabolism when I ingest sugar and what happens to a normal eater, I'm doomed. I'm doomed to repeat it. I mean, I have no choice. And the only, uh, the only cure is abstinence. But how do I stop? The 12 steps have enabled me to stop, and I just want to uh, uh, thank Visions for you, and I, too, am excited about going through um, step one, being at step one again. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy. Carolyn, you're up. Hi, uh, this is Carolyn, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Um, what I will love about this paragraph is that um, it frees me from the shame around the compulsive eating. Um, it, it tells me that this isn't just a problem of self-control or willpower. You know, all my life, you know, I heard, well, just, just you know, eat a little less. You know, moderation. Moderation is the key, you know. Um, but for me, it was not the key because I can't have a little. And... Normal eaters just don't understand that, you know, and um, and so there was a lot of shame around the fact that that I couldn't stop and that I was sneaking and getting bigger and bigger. 
And, um, you know, given um, the prejudice that exists in our society against uh, overweight people, um, it's so pervasive. And it's one of the, the last allowable, so to speak, um, prejudices that you can express openly, you know. Um, you know, people feel that it's a, it's a moral, you know, problem. You see somebody grossly overweight and you think, you know, God, they have no self-respect you know, why would they do that to themselves? And, and the assumption is that they're lazy or they're weak-willed or, you know, something is wrong with them. And this, this um, you know, uh, prejudice extends into the job market. It extends into, you know, certainly dating. Um, and it's, it's really, really unfair. Um, I know there are people out there who aren't compulsive overeaters who maybe just don't understand you know, um, nutrition, but I don't think there are many grossly overweight people who are suffering severe physical and societal pain as a result of their size and their disease who choose to do that or who who haven't fully researched nutrition or um, who choose to be that weight. I mean, you have a small group of people, right? The the national acceptance for advancement of acceptance of fat or something is is an actual organization that, you know, professes to be okay with their size, and maybe they are. But I don't think that's the common experience. I think there's a lot of shame out there, and there's also a lot of blame by people who don't share the uh, the compulsion. And because it's so visible, you know, I mean, an alcoholic, to some extent, can hide their drinking. We can't. We wear our disease. And this, to me, is, is a, you know, reassurance that, you know, it's not all my fault. It is my responsibility to since there, thank God, exists a solution. But I am not morally defective because I have this disease. And that is a huge relief for me and I think would be for countless others if we can get this message out there. Thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. Rabia, you're up. Good morning, everyone. This is Rabia from New York, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And all my beautiful fellow visionaries, Blessed awe, that's what I'm feeling, sitting in my home, sitting in my prayer chair, being on this line with all of you, feeling the power of love and God and more than 200 of you on the line with me this morning. I'm so blessed beyond measure and I am so excited for the newcomers who are going through this doctor's opinion for the first time. I went through this doctor's opinion with a guide for the first time in April, April of this year, such a short time ago. And I had read it many times. I've read the big book many times. I've studied in big book meetings many times. I never, line by line, studied this doctor's opinion with the guide. And then I went back to the... um, recordings, and I listened to the week of Doctor's Opinion of past recordings and, um, and, and exactly what we're doing here live, exactly what we're doing here live. So, so here we are. There's newcomers on this line live today, and, and I just feel so blessed. Uh, to be sharing this journey with new eyes and 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 must I the, here's the third must so far in this book and that's what made the difference for me 
like now I embrace these musts with so much love and so much gratitude that I know today what I must do. I have such a precise direction of how to get recovered and live in 10, 11, and 12 and stay recovered. And and it's because of all the musts that I read about and studied and do in my life today and then at the bottom it says, we are sure. We are sure. I believe every single word in this big book, the first 100. And here's what's so beautiful for me, that there are 100 recovered compulsive overeaters on this line this morning. We are sure. And that's what is the big difference for me. Every morning I get to... I get to be on this line with all of you with more than 100 recovered compulsive overeaters one day at a time learning what I need to do every day to stay recovered. And and what a gift. I get my power and my strength. This meeting is my 11th step. This meeting every morning is my connection to God and to all of you and to life. And what a glorious, beautiful life it is. So welcome the newcomers. The pe- oh, I'm, oh, I get so excited. I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to stop talking now because I'm, so, I'm flying. I pass. Thank you, Rabia. Do, you're up. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision, for you. Thank you for your service. Um, this is Do Recover Compulsible Breeder. Uh, I, I love this. I love getting into the doctor's opinion because the doctor, this particular doctor is considered a medical saint um, due to the fact that he found the problem, you know, for the compulsible reader. And from the very start, he starts to differentiate these people. He starts to set them apart. And, um, and as uh, Kim had earlier stated um, so beautifully that he considered them the type that I had come to regard as hopeless. So he's already, he's already setting these class of people apart from normal eaters, normal drinkers. And um, he says those who have suffered from alcoholic torture, those who are, you know, for me in my case, al- uh, compulsive overeating torture, says must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as normal as his mind. And for me, that's a, a really strong statement because uh, the, the doctor's opinion is going to set the theme for the rest of the book. It's going to talk about these types, these uh, different entities, these uh, class of people. It's setting us apart for a reason. You know, um, it's showing me that I have to believe. I must believe. What is must? I want to define that because um, a lot of people get confused with, with the word suggestion versus must. And um, must, as defined in the dictionary, is used to indicate necessity or obligation, a probability, certainty, or inevitability, or insistence, an absolute requirement, something that is indispensable. You know, so he's saying you must believe. You must believe that your body and your mind are abnormal. That means I am not a normal person when it comes to my compulsive overeating. When it comes to my food, I am not normal in any respect. I am of a different type. I am different class. 
And there's a reason why that is. And we're going to explore more on that. But I have to believe that something is wrong with my body and something is wrong with my mind. That is going to be the theme of, of, of the doctor's opinion the rest of the, the big book. You know, if I don't believe that, the obsession in my mind is going to tell me that I can continue to eat like other people, that I'm going to try to find that magic pill, that magic formula, some kind of way, that, that, that special diet, you know, that's going to get me to compulsively overeat and not have the consequences of getting fat and having uh, other diseases like diabetes, having high blood pressure, and not having consequences of, of unmanageability in my life. That's, that's where my mind goes when I'm in my disease. You know, um, I, I don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that I'm different, that someday, somehow, I'm going to beat the game. And so here, the doctor's already telling us, no, no, that's not the case. <laughs> you know, you must believe that you are different. You must believe. If you want to recover from this illness, you must believe that you're set apart and that you can't eat like normal people and that you are not going to be like normal people, you know. And that's the beginning of this step. That's the beginning of step one is that I must believe that. I must be convinced, you know. It's not saying that I suggest that you believe this. It's not a suggestion. It's not take it or leave it. It's saying that it's a necessary requirement. It's a necessary requirement if I'm going to get this, because I suffer from compulsive overeating torture. All I have to do is go back in my first step history and look at my life and look at my eating career if I'm not convinced. And, and this book is going to take a step-by-step step on convincing us that there is definitely something wrong with my mind and my body. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. And we've reached the end of our time here this morning. Thank you to everyone who has shared, and we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Sharon, can you read for us, please, from a vision for you? Yes, thank you, Monica, and thank you for everyone who shared today. Our, this is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you.